Hey guys, Dando here, and I would just like to kick this week's show off with a quick thank you to each and every one of you for your ongoing support with everything we do here at Four Finger Discount. We would not be here without you. There is no doubt about that. We're closing in on our three-year anniversary. It's hard to believe. I could never have imagined when we first started the show that it would have grown to the heights in which it has. You know, because of this show, I've had the chance to go visit the Simpsons studios. We've released the Simpsons book. It's it's mind-boggling what we've been able to achieve, but it wouldn't be possible without each and every one of you who tune in every week. To be honest, besides my marriage to Nicola and my soon-to-be-born son, this show is its my greatest achievement. It's the thing I am most proud of. I can't believe I had the chance to be able to talk about The Simpsons each and every week, and I do not take it for granted. So as I said, we're closing in on three years. It's an incredible achievement for all of us involved here at Four Finger Discount, not just us, you guys listeners as well. So massive, massive thank you and thumbs up to you all. We simply just would not be here without you. So, with that out of the way, let's get on with the show. If you're a fan of what we do here at Four Finger Discount and you want to help give back to the show, then the best way to do so is by becoming a Four Finger Discount patron at patreon.com slash discount. And in return for your support, you're going to get access into a bunch of exclusive content, whether it be our new Tales of Futurama podcast, where we review the first season of Futurama, our new Movie Guys podcast, where we review our favorite films, both past and present. This month, we're going to be reviewing Heat and the upcoming Han Solo film. I've also just launched a new Simpsons trivia podcast, which is a bit of fun. But not only that, you'll also get early access into things such as upcoming cast and crew interviews. You'll even get early access into the Four Finger Discount podcast. Plus, you'll get access into the exclusive Four Finger Discount Facebook group, where you get to have daily banter with both Mitch and myself and everyone else who's already jumped on the Four Finger Discount Patreon bandwagon. And you'll also go into the draw to win our monthly giveaway, which is valued up to $100. So as I said, if you want to help support the show, the best way to do so is by jumping on the Four Finger Discount bandwagon and joining up at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Jebediah Springfield has been replaced with a skeleton. No, that's the skeleton of Jebediah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh... Well, let's start looking for that silver tongue. Don't forget to look in his shoes. When I lose something, sometimes it turns up in my shoes. Actually, if it's anywhere, it would be lodged in the sinus. <laughs> All right, here goes. Forgive us, Jebediah. We mean no disrespect. Well, that settles that. There is no silver tongue. Is there, Bonesy? Well, I wish, Chief. With that kind of dough, I could buy me some eyeballs. Ha, ha, ha. Well, that's the spirit, Bonesy. Why don't you sing a song for the nice people? All right. <clears throat> Camp Town ladies, sing this song. Do-da, do-da. Camp Town ladies, mama. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review Lisa the Iconoclast. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How's Bali going, man? We're doing a live stream all the way from Bali. What are you doing right now? What's the weather like over there? Uh, it's what a, you expected? Uh, it's a pleasant 64 degrees. Uh, that can be both uh, well, if Fahrenheit or Celsius. Take your pick. Um, By the way, you were right. It was minus 173, the Futurama. It was one, minus 173? You, you, you wrote 173. I wrote 173, yeah. but I knew that had to be wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um... No, uh, well, look. Are the beaches as dirty as you said they were going to be? I, I, I'm not going to keep this charade up because I actually wanted to complain about your street, and it doesn't work if I'm doing that from Bali. Well, Unless I'm getting a, a, live, a live satellite feed. I had to park like three and a half blocks away 
because seemingly in this estate, no fucker wants to use their garage. Everyone wants to put in a treadmill that they're not going to use and park on the street. The guys across the road from you have got a double car garage. Four cars are on the driveway. Why even bother putting a garage in? Why not just go to your builder and go, make it a rumpus room. It's they're fine. They're I'm not getting a car ca- in there. They only own two cars. That's really weird. Maybe people next guess. door, two people live in there, five cars though. Any of them in the garage or all of them outside? <laughs> all outside. It's just the streets are chockers. They had the cheek, right, on the weekend to park one of their cars on my nature strip. Oh. Drove up onto the nature strip. The cheek. The cheek of it. If someone drove... How a- dare you, if, sir? If someone parked on your nature strip, would you not be livid? I was no, furious. wouldn't. Okay. It ruins the grass. It's a nature strip. I don't care about that. It's practically council land. <laughs> it's but council the, land that I have to maintain. No, but but if it's not maintained, we have to pay to maintain it. I'm not a um, I'm not a grass aficionado. Hey, you were the one whinging about no car space. I'm whinging about my nature strip. Yeah, car, well, they're forced to park on the nature strip because you don't use your garage. <laughs> I use my garage. I have a treadmill which I use. At least, actually, at least you are on a driveway. I'll give you that. Yeah, we have two cars in the driveway. So many cars. We don't touch. On the our, street. We don't touch anything on the street. It's bloody two eyes on every fish and three <laughs> fucking cars in every nature strip. Uh, so Lisa, the iconoclast. Mm. An episode. I think this. I've got to hear. As a kid, this was always my favorite Lisa episode. I wrote down best Lisa episode question mark. I think Lisa the Vegetarian is now my favorite. Okay. But I always enjoy this because it's not her trying to change people's beliefs just because mm. it's not the same morals. It's she's trying to sort of prove the truth. That's why I think that this is probably the best and uh, best handled in that not only is she not preaching, she is exactly just on, a, on a mission to, to find out the truth and she has very noble intentions behind it all. But then she also swallows it for the betterment of the people. She realises um, that it's more about the story as opposed yeah. to the, just the actual facts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, uh, like any good myth, um, you know, or origin stories and all that sort of thing, that sometimes the truth is actually going to be more damaging than the lie. And yeah. if it is in... It, it raises interesting questions of what is better to know? Is it the truth that inspires or... Uh, sorry, the other, is it the lie that inspires or the truth that is going to destroy you? There's things that we believe as kids which we won't get into but you know what I'm talking about that really that my parents never had sex yes yes <laughs> that's exactly it but we can't get into it for obvious reasons because we have younger listeners but those kind of things they make your life so much happier mm. and then you find out the truth the real facts and it's like oh, what did you tell me for what did you tell me because you're 23 years old Zando well I didn't want to know <laughs> I didn't want to know <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's um as would later be immortalized, there's the truth and the truth. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sutherland's performance is fantastic. It is really as good. Well as Helbert. Yeah. Helbert? Helbert. Uh, Helbert. Helbert, yeah. He's what he Helbert. is here, he's a villain, but a villain that you can understand. You can appreciate that he's dedicated his life to yeah. worshipping and well, if, telling the story. Villain is a strong term. He makes a snap judgment. And he crumbles very quickly. He's not like a malicious villain here. He's mm. just a guy that couldn't bear to face facts. He's somewhat of a heel turn, though. He finds out the truth and then says that Lisa's lying mm. and kicks her out for three months. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, true. He, it, there's moments of villainy. Yeah. But he's not <laughs> plotting for that. He's more a guy that made a bad decision and then he's once he's there, he's trying to dig himself deeper and deeper into the hole. Getting back to the stories, have you got a story in your life that you tell people that it's, it's changed over time? It's it, you've added things, you've taken things out, but it's Do a you? story. Pardon? Do you? Before yeah. I, I've got one story. Yeah, mm. yeah. So growing up, there was a picture of my uncle Jock who passed away a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago. Like I idolized him as a kid, and there was this picture of him holding up this alligator, like a dead alligator, and he told me that he wrestled that 
like crocodile. He wrestled it and killed it, wrestled it to death. And that was him holding it up. Mm-hmm. I believed this as a kid. And I would tell everyone, oh, my uncle Jockey wrestled a crocodile to death, right? And then it would have been, I don't know, three years ago, and Nicola's dad's over. And I said to Nicola's dad, and he was talking to Jock at a Christmas party, I said, do you know he once wrestled a crocodile to death? <laughs> and Jock laughs at me. I went, what? And he goes, didn't do that. It was already tame. I just uh, shot it. <laughs> I was like, what? My whole life is a lie. I, I seriously believed it. My whole life, he had me believing. Like, he used to tell me it was the truth. Yeah. And my dad, everyone was in on the joke. It was because it was this thing that I believed when I was a kid. It was like a family in-joke. Yeah, right. And then he just came clean with it. And I was like, huh. But the thing is, I'm now going to continue that story on, that legacy with my son. Yeah. So when he sees that photo, I'm going to say, oh, Uncle Jock, he wrestled a crocodile to death just to keep the story going. Yeah. I have a story about me that gets told by someone else that gets embellished more and more every time. Okay. This was from a few years ago. We're on a golf trip and I was eating oysters. And Ooh, that's a dangerous... L- I- no, well, yeah, Do you like fine. oysters? I love oysters. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have been eating them if I wasn't, uh, if I didn't. Um, but anyway, so I'm eating oysters and then I feel this thing in my tooth. It's like hard and I dig it out and it looks like a piece of tempered glass, like shattered tempered glass. And I tried biting into it. It's really, really hard. And like, how, how big was it? Uh, half the size of a pinky nail. Okay. So big enough to do some damage. A couple mil across. If you swallowed it, you're in like trouble. It was big. Now, here's what happens in reality. I'm like, I think there's glass in my food. What, what the hell? I feel like you've told me this story. I can't remember that. I tell the waitress. I'm like, it's, it's what, like I think glasses. I think there's glass in my food. She looks at it and says, um, "It's a bit of rock salt." So fair what, enough. Was it actually though? Yeah, it was rock salt. Okay, because the oysters were served on a bed of rock salt. Yep. I should have put two and two together. I was a bit drunk, but that was it. You hear that story retold now, and it would be oh. So like oh actually before I got the waitress Gums I had, were shredded. I had told other people <laughs> at the I was like, is this glass? Like people were looking at it. I'm like, shit that like other they're in on it, going, Yeah, that looks like glass. Then it gets sorted out. No big deal, continue on with my food. You hear that story now, it's ha oh, I've never been so embarrassed. I'm sitting across from Mitch. Suddenly, <laughs> just en- I'm just enjoying this meal. I'm having, me, you know, eating me chicken. And then this hand shoots up and says, Where's the chef? <laughs> There's glass in my meal. <laughs> you know, in the retelling, six people come out, including this chef with his arms. I folded. demand justice. I'm try- like the guy telling it is like I'm trying not to look. I'm like burying my head. Like the guy that was in on it with me, going, "That's glass in your food." <laughs> is now halfway out the door when everyone comes up. Uh, yeah, so um, I've, I've I probably have embellished my own, but that's the first one that comes up. Uh, when I think of stories that have just been really fabricated over time. I reckon you'd have a really good golfing story that you would tell people. That is kind of the truth, but not really the truth. You mean that time I got a hole-in-one on a par five? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. So, you know what else I love about this episode? It's Homer. I think Mm. I forgot how great Homer was in this. What I loved the most was when he gets stripped of being the town crier, Mm -hmm. And he still tries to hide that disappointment in front yeah. of Lisa because he knows that she feels guilty for it. Yep. So he tries to pretend like he's not disappointed. Yeah. But he is, really is. This is a success story for Homer as much as anything else. Yeah. And it's really nice that, to see them band together. To the detriment of screen time for other people in the episode, you only say Bart like a fraction of the show. I think he has two or three lines and that's it. Mm. Um, but it was a nice comment on the history of the show as well that Homer has actually recognised that she's right about these things more often than not. And as he says, I want to be in on the ground floor, yeah. ground floor on this one. Normally it's Marge that's supportive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this case, Marge is, along with everyone else in Springfield, very defensive, very quickly about Jebediah. And it's I always enjoy watching someone 
fighting for the truth in amongst the insecurity and doubt of everyone else. Like, in, in the face of all of that, basically, of them saying, no, you're wrong. But then, I uh, think back to, I don't know, Galileo or something like that. Like, so, or someone that's, like, floating, what would go on to be the correct thing? Yeah. But everyone's saying, you're insane. Um, but them still having the conviction of it and changing the world. They treat her pretty much the same way you would treat a moon landing conspiracy theorist. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I don't want to hear it. Except she was right. What was your favourite moment from the episode? Um, I really just love the image of the silver tongue dressed as a cowboy. Yeah. I thought no one would ever find it. (laughs) (laughs) Most obvious thing. Right there. I love that he's made the effort to dress it up as a cowboy. Mm. Why would you just hide it somewhere? Bury it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You gave it a holster. <laughs> yeah. So funny. I love Homer's dig up his grave, pull out his tongue. As, yeah. as he's talking out. I don't know what it is, but it's just dig him up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mitch, we posted it in the Facebook group. We're asking for alternate names for Lisa the Oconda class. What have they given we us have, this week? We've got a few through. Jonathan Dafter, who also submitted one last week. Because, let's not ruin the illusion, we recorded these back-to-back and they've all submitted them at the same time. But Lisa the Iconoclast... What? what? Bring me the tongue of Jebediah Springfield. It's a spoiler alert. Tristan Campbell, <laughs> Silver Tongue-in-Cheek. I like that one. Lachlan yeah. Pinder, Fifel Goes West. Ooh, Lachlan Pinder again. The trap is Sprungfeld. Ooh, that's I do not, like that. That's good. That's got like a little bit of Sherlock Holmes kind of quality about it. Luke Mackay with the Telltale Tongue. Mm-hmm. That's good as well. Uh, and oh, Jebeliah Springfield, we have a winner with Johannes. <laughs> you were so excited, Johannes Lowhouse. Um, His eyes just lit up. Brendan, Brendan Quinn, Quinn uh, he, for last last week. Um, so I was a little bit late for when we recorded the last episode. Submitted. Krusty calls it quits. Brackets KKK. That's not good. I mean, it's a little bit of stealing the joke that they've already done, but I also like it. Uh, oh. This is this is actually more fun when they just keep coming in and I keep reading them. Um, the last, absolute last one that I'm reading out of listener submissions from Alistair Dunnick again, the Silver Findings Playbook. That is very good. Um, I was trying to think through the back catalogue of Donald Sutherland movies and I don't know many of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what's the movie he did? It's not Other People. Um, that one movie he did? <laughs> Funny People. Is it Funny People? That's with Adam Sandler. Uh, that is with Adam Sandler. Um, what the hell is that movie that he did? <laughs> the Hunger Games? Tie in something with The Hunger Games. Invasion of the Tongue Snatchers. There we go. It'll do. Done. <laughs> tongue Snatcher? Tongue Snatcher somehow sounds... Like a X- sex object. X-rated, yeah. I'm the Tongue Snatcher. I'm the Tongue Snatcher. Mm. Let's not get into it. Did I, um, <laughs> I uh, you know, like the memes that go around. One of them was comment something that pisses you off during sex. No, I, I didn't say that. I have a comment, and this is actually being called out. What I love, I commented on that. My someone tagged me in it. I was at work. I threw a comment on there, and then every day since, I've just been getting new notifications of like such and such two friends of mine and six hundred something other yeah. people. Like, so it's up to like one thousand three hundred likes at the moment. Really? This comment. And what I loved is that someone who listens to the podcast, um, I'll see if I can find who this was. Give us two seconds. Jay Christo uh, tagged Ruby Dalton. We're definitely hearing about this on the podcast. One point four. That we are. One point four. Uh, so the there's a whole bunch of comments on there. Most of them were pretty filthy, and I thought I'll try to be a bit cleaner. So I just went with when you think your new move is going well, but then you catch her commenting on this thread about why it pisses her off. <laughs> Fortunately, Ash has not found out about that comment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, the best days you'll get in tonight, it is very good. Matter of time. Well, it's uh, it's quarter past ten. We're, we're finishing up late tonight. She should hopefully be asleep by the time I get home. <laughs> and then uh, all, all, time heals all wounds, Dando. <laughs> we'll be fine in the morning. <laughs> time for some trivia. Mitch, what have you got for me this week? Trivia-wise. Three questions, Dando. Three, same as me. Three. Excellent. Uh, when Jebediah and his crew were heading and discovering Springfield, where yep. were they leaving from? Ah, shit. I, I can't remember. Maryland. Maryland, that's correct. On their way to New Sodom. Now, Almost I, a bad word. You're not much <laughs> of a Bible guy. Do you, know, do you understand the implication of that? No. Sodom and Gomorrah was the town where shit was fucked up and anything went in the Bible, basically. So you wouldn't want to go there. It is where the word sodomy comes from because they sent angels down to Sodom, or angels were in Sodom, and a whole bunch of the townsmen wanted to get in and get at the angels. As in... Yes. Yes. (laughs) Hence, sodomy. Fair enough. There's my little word lesson of the day. Mitch's fact of the week. What does the newspaper headline say when Homer's reading about the town cry, John? What was the heading? I missed the heading, actually. Parade to distract joyless citizenry. Yeah. Um, well, that's what they're good for. Yes. Paco Festa every year. <laughs> How many essays were going to be chosen to be on display? 18 of 20. Yes. What actually happened to Jebediah's tongue? What's the real reason he didn't have a tongue? That it was bitten out in a fight by George Washington? Bitten off by a Turk in a grog house oh, fight. That, sorry, God, I've conflated the two fights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bitten off by a Turk, yes. Yep. And uh, my final one is, what year was Jebediah Springfield last known as Hans Sprungfeld? 1775? I think it was 1796. 1796, okay. I'll believe you. Good. <laughs> I'll question myself. Yes. But I think it was right. But you sure it wasn't 1795? Pretty sure. Okay. And what were the four different types of yellow that Lisa? Uh, one of them was cyan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mustard? No, cyan was it? No, cyan's pink. Yeah, no, it wasn't cyan. No, cumin. <laughs> was there a <laughs> was there a spice? Was there a in rosemary? There? Was there a spice? <laughs> Golden rod. Yep. Canary. Yep. Saffron and payada. Okay, hundred yellow. Yes. We've already now a few facts about the episode before we get into our full review. Now. a Apparently, this story was inspired by the real events surrounding the exhumation of President Zachary Taylor. Right. In the late 1980s, a college professor and author, Clara Rising, theorized that Taylor was murdered by poison and was able to convince Taylor's closest living relative and the coroner of Jefferson County that should dig his body up to prove it. Jesus. That's pretty insane stuff. Yeah, right. I would never, ever, ever want to dig up a body for any reason. What if Unless they had treasure. What if there was chocolate inside? (laughs) Yeah, there was loot. (laughs) Well, if, if you found out that there was potential to find loot in someone's coffin, mm. would you want to dig them up? All bets are off. <laughs> Every man for himself. Yeah. What's yeah. that? There was 10 cents in his pockets at the funeral? Yes. Yeah, Donald Sutherland was... The episode was written with him in mind. Actually, right? that could be an interesting subtopic. Mm-hmm. What are acceptable reasons to dig up a body? Like, let's say you've leant over, you've thrown some flowers in, you've dropped your mobile phone, you haven't realised until after the service. And your phone is now buried under. So you're not opening the coffin. Not opening the coffin, no. But still digging up a grave. It might be different to you, but anyone driving by thinks you're (laughs) digging up that (laughs) that body. Would you? So would you? That's a that's a sitcom script right there. The phone's five hundred and fifty bucks. Is it acceptable to dig up a grave to save five hundred and fifty dollars? Oh, mate, that is like a great Simpsons episode right there. Anyway, we'll get to it later. Donald Sutherland, they always had him in mind when they wrote the episode. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting fact here. He wanted to start reading the lines from the middle of the script like he would a movie to get a feel for the character. 
Okay. But they wouldn't allow it. So that he had to abandon that idea. Strange, isn't it? Interesting. You think they'd allow him to do what he wanted? Yeah. But like if that's his process, then yeah, I, I can't see how that would have interfered with anything. But okay. The line where Lisa says uh, she was just getting over her Chester A arthritis, right? Mm-hmm. His response was improv. Wasn't in the script. Oh, really? How amazing is you, that though? You you had arthritis? Yeah, <laughs> that is really funny. It's great. Yeah, that, but it wasn't in the script. I find it incredible. Who's your favourite Sutherland out of Donald and Kiefer? I grew up with more Kiefer, I think. Okay. And like 24, through things like that. 24, just, stand I, by me. It, like Donald was more, I think I discovered him through The Simpsons. I was like, oh, really? who, who okay. voiced that guy? And then I went and checked out who I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I've seen him in things. You yeah, know, where okay. Kiefer, I knew, I grew up yeah. with him. I think Donald's had a better, uh, probably has a More better, celebrated career? More celebrated career, more credibility yeah. as an actor. As much as I've enjoyed Kiefer as well, and 24 is great, but... Donald, uh, fantastic in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The mm, yeah. s- was that seventies? I think sometime in the seventies. Apparently, the roles made. here are reversed. I've never watched the film, so he's I read a review about this episode where he's doing a similar role in this, but the roles are reversed. Where is Le- in the episode is someone trying to prove that the aliens are real? Oh yeah, he's trying to prove that the aliens are real. And in his, in his so yeah. yeah, I guess in that sense, kinda yeah so, yeah yeah. Bit of a stretch, but yes, yeah, you yeah, could okay, say yeah. that he's he's on the other side of the truth. In yes, this one. yeah yeah. Um. Obviously, the original Mash uh, movie, yeah, not the the original. There hadn't been a remake, but the movie, <laughs> movie that preceded What's the TV show. The, uh, TV show, yeah. Um, but for me, I've always really loved him in Outbreak. Did you ever watch that no, with Morgan Freeman and Dustin Hoffman? No, it's so is good. that later in his career or nineties, mid nineties? Okay, um, it's a bit later. It's a, I mean, it is about a, a disease outbreak, and he plays an army colonel. There's a moment towards the end, and I mean, it, you know. Morgan Freeman has basically given the game away. Um, Dustin Hoffman's trying to stop them from dropping this bomb. Okay. Morgan, um, Morgan Freeman gets on the mic and is like, will you get out of the way? This plane has a really specific route to get to the bomb site. It cannot complete its mission if you do not move. So Morgan Freeman, that was his way of subverting, getting around things by giving them how to win without having to have actually broken the law himself. So we get Bill, Donald Sutherland and then grabs the mic. He's like, Billy, are you dumb or something? You just told him how to... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freeman just gives him this icy cold stare. Well bold. Like, oh. Well, all right then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as always, before we get into the review, we need to remind people of when they go to Brisbane, they should be eating where, Mitch? Big Roddy's Rib Shack. Ribbon the- Rib Shack. Don't forget the ribbon. Well, He's ripped, well, remember? I, think, I don't forget it, but I forget where ripped. it goes, so I throw it all over the place. Roddy's ripped? He is very ripped. Okay. He if gave you, you the backstage tour, obviously. If you, want, if, you want to know, if you want to know who Roddy is, just look for the ripped guy. Yeah. But what do they sell? Delicious no brisket on it? Roddy because you will not find no. a shred of fat on the man. Make sure you order the royal sample. That's what I tasted and it was fantastic. Have, that- you, have you ever seen the documentary, have I ever shown this to you, the Skylight Inn in North Carolina? No. There's a guy whose job it is to chop the meat. Um, he's just got these two massive cleavers and all he does is chop pork all day long. They show his arms. He's a fucking tank. He looks like he's from Sons of Anarchy. And he actually says, see that? That's just 15 years chopping barbecue. <laughs> Never touched a weight in his life. So, Big Rose Rip and Rib Shack, I've had the food there. It's delicious. I can't wait to have the food They're there. massive Simpsons fans. Simpsons references throughout the entire shop. Yeah. I'll be finding excuses to get up to Brisbane. Yes. Um, every day. Just for I that. I might move there. Uh, if you want to save 10% off your food and drinks bill, just say it's a secret to Roddy's or anyone who's working there. They'll understand what you're talking about. Shut up. That's it. Uh, and go to BigRoddy'sRibs.com. Delicious, delicious food. Check mm-hmm. it out. On with the review. The original air date was February 18th, 1996. There was no chalkboard gag. Board gag. And the couch gag was the family is portrayed as the Brady Bunch. Hmm. Yes, it was. Sorry. Now, I, I remember that. 
I reckon it's one of the more memorable couch gags. Yeah. If it's not really a couch gag, I guess. No, but it's. A, I mean, I guess because it's such a memorable TV intro, as soon as you rip it off. Yeah. The only issue with that is everyone has done a parody of the Brady Bunch. That's an interesting point. one. What's the most iconic intro? Visually. Visually iconic intro of a TV show. It's hard to beat. It's it gets, hard to uh, It gets smart, maybe? Yeah, it gets smart with the... Like, that's certainly very visual. Um, that was a better marriage of visual and music. Together, yep. Yeah. Um, but no, I would think if you just went on visual, it's the Brady Bunch. And then if you wanted to ask me the most iconic audio, it's Law and Order. <laughs> like Especially that. heinous. <laughs> I love that word. Especially heinous. I don't know why. These are their stories. Boom, <laughs> 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 and whenever we watch it, I try and time myself so I do the bump bump in time. I can yeah, never right. nail it though. I'm always uh, a fraction yeah. early or a fraction <laughs> late. <laughs> uh, and as we said, the catch egg was a Brady Bunch one. So how does the episode kick off, Mitch? It kicks off with the young Jebediah, basically educational film with Jebediah Springfield being played by Troy McClure. Yes. Not introducing himself. This is Troy in character. I guess he could For the really first time since yeah. Hercules. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cyclops took my clothes. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then they giggle. <laughs> anyway, um, but they, they just hammered up how low budget this is, which yeah, I love about it. Yeah, it's great. Like the, um, the stunt double cut in. Like the stunt double just yep. riding this buffalo and then cut to Troy. The hand. Oh, and yeah, the hand that comes up <laughs> to push it. The boom mic dropping yep. down into shot. Uh, My favourite is the facial expression of the townspeople who push the buffalo in yep. with, with Troy sitting on it and sort of look at the camera like, ooh, you saw us. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get these crappy videos at school? Educational videos? I think every school did at some point. I think we had really crappy safety videos at Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah, so yeah. bad. Uh, there was uh, Woolworths, I think, had Lisa McCune. Um, that's that's, budget. that's big budget. In some Would have been filmed while. in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just had the Blue Heelers theme I, song in my head. I just flashed back to Hunter. Did you ever get Hunter? No. As educational thing um, in Hunter. primary school? It was like some guy who was like a detective for knowledge. Like you do like little Harold science the, experiments, that the, sort of thing. No, no, so like I remember the intro was it's um it's who, what, where, why, and when. That's Hunter. So Hunter was a guy that would figure out who, what, where, why, or when. Fair enough. I'm not making this up. This is a <laughs> thing that happened. It was it was in the curriculum. I well, my school obviously couldn't afford Hunter. Clearly not. We what we could afford though, we had the whole set of round the twist videos. <laughs> did you bring those in yourself? No, that, <laughs> that was just what every kid did when it was a rainy day. You go to the library and watch round the twist. Rain, rain, go away. Yeah, we get another day. <laughs> ever, ever felt like this. Great show. It's actually not a great. Sh- it's a weird show. You watch it now and you go. Eh. Was it? Uh, no, what was that show about the kid that had? Uh, his dad was like a plumber or something. He had a collection of dunnies in the back house. That was like an Australian sitcom. Collection of a dunnies? Li- yeah, a little bit after Round the Twist. Oh my, no, 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 no. Um, Do you remember Liftoff? With the fucking doll that had no face? <laughs> no, I think I avoided that. <laughs> but getting back to Lisa the Iconoclast, it, it finished the video. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. In Biggins? Hmm. Never heard that word before I moved to Springfield. I don't know why. It's a perfectly cromulent word. And it's pointed out by Principal Skinner that it is the 200th birthday of Springfield coming yeah, out. Yeah, bicentennial. Uh, Miss Hoover announces they're going to be doing the essays and Homer reads the paper. It's just everyone's getting into the, into the uh, I don't know, the spirit. It really brings out the best in Springfield, doesn't it? This, yeah. The birthday celebration of, of Jebediah. What's the birthday celebration? Is it? It's the centenary. Yeah, so it's not Jebediah. It's Springfield's it's birthday. Springfield's birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I like hear how excited Homer is and listen to just a town crier. He's actually a really good town crier. Yeah. He's made for this role. And we've said before about how we love it when Homer's doing something well. He's and- but everything he seems to do at the moment is what he does well. Bowling? Yeah, that's true. Everything he touches turns to gold at the moment. Town crier? Mm. I can't think of anything he's been bad at. Father? Husband? <laughs> but he was a good father in this. <laughs> he was the shining light when it comes to parenting in this episode. He was good in this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa suggests a town crier, so he does that. Lisa then goes to visit the Springfield Historical Society. And did you notice we get a little sea plant? So she walks past the ripped painting of George Washington. Yeah. In the background. Yep. There's a few other things as well you see on the wall of the... Obviously, it's the ancestors of the people that live in Springfield. So you see a a silhouette that looks like Marge, and there's someone that looks like Otto. Mm -hmm. Someone that looks like Professor Frink. Just those little tidbits there. She gets to meet the curator, though. This is where Sutherland first comes into the episode. Dangerous river crossing threatened life and limb, but helped our founding fathers save on bridge tolls. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't mean to startle you, but I do love to talk Jebediah, even when I'm drinking my chicory. I'm the curator, Hollis Hurlbutt. Hi, I'm Lisa Simpson. I'm here to research a report on Jebediah. Oh, you're in for a treat. You know, some historians consider Jebediah Springfield a minor patriot, but I think you'll find he's easily the equal of William Dawes or even Samuel Otis. Homer then goes to the auditions for the town crier, but he's a little bit late, isn't he? Flanders has already got the job. Much to the chagrin of Homer, and really, like, they could not have picked a more perfect, worse person to have that job to make Homer then look fantastic when he comes along and grabs it. I love how flamboyant Wiggum is. Good God, he is fabulous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, later on, the stop him. I'd love to, lady, but he's too damn good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. But it's the... It, it, they belong to Flanders, so you automatically gets the job. Yep. Either his family heirlooms, Homer rips the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Shoves on his head. Does no care for Flanders things at all. Hear ye, hear ye. Ye old town crier proclaimed crappy by all. Chooseth Homer Simpson, and he shalt rock thy world. Good God, he is fabulous. Mm, he's embiggened that role with his cromulent performance. Top-notch criering, I admit. But the hat and bell belong to Flanders, so no dice. Oh, they're just family heirlooms. That shouldn't stand in the way of Homer taking my job. And- Let's chat more hat. Woohoo! Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! All hollering, all the time! I'm gonna make You ought to restrict your crying to the parade and selected pre-approved publicity events. Okay. What I really love before Quimby does stomp on him is yeah, yeah. how well Homer instantly picks up ye old talk. Yep. That um He's embraced it. Yeah. Choose a Thomas Simpson and uh was and he shalt rock thy world. I, I love the pronounce crappy by all <laughs> <laughs> So back at the historical society mm-hmm. and we have pretty Lisa. much Lisa's just become friends with the curator. She's yeah, just pretty w- much. wants to learn about um they yeah. both are really getting enthusiastic about their love, the shared love of Jebediah. Yeah. Uh, And of history in general. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, for the curator, this is obviously something that he does not get to talk to many people about very often. And Lisa, same deal. It's very rare that someone properly encourages her academic side. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of, actually? Have you ever been to Echuca? I've been to Echuca, yeah. There's a a similar kind of museum at Echuca. There's a kindly old man there that just likes to encourage your academic side. Yes. I remember we were there, and I think it was like the prison... Uh, museum or something. And it was quite interesting, but then there was this elderly woman who worked there and it was quite obvious that people don't go and visit very often. Okay. Because she decided to follow us around the entire... I'm picturing the woman from Shutter Island. <laughs> well, I don't know who that is. Uh, she's the one in the trailer that looks nearly bald. 
real creepy looking face that comes up to Leo. She was a less wrinkly version of Mrs. Glick. Okay, gotcha. But she was um she was just so nice and I didn't want to because Nicola and I planned to spend like, you know, fifteen minutes there just to kill some time until the ferry came. Just throw some donuts at her and say, Eat all you want. <laughs> <laughs> but we were waiting for the um for the Murray River ferry thing. Okay. We just had some time to kill. But we couldn't leave. We missed our ferry. We just felt so bad. We didn't oh, want to leave her man. alone. I was just like, I said to Nicola, we got free tickets. And Nicola's like, I guess we can go again. Like, because it, it wasn't very expensive. And we're like, I'm like, I kind of feel bad for the old woman. I kind of, I kind of just want to give her some company. So we stayed for a good hour. Should have taken her on the ferry. Smuggle her in. She wouldn't have left. She was like dedicated to the job. She was like, no, this is my shift. Oh, okay. This is gotcha. my thing. She was so passionate about Achuka that we just let her go. I just didn't have the heart to tell her that I wanted to leave and had to leave. Okay. Have you, had, you never had one of those moments where you sort of, you've you've had to go somewhere, you know you had to be somewhere else, but you just didn't want to, you felt bad telling the person, shut up, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> no, I, I often look forward to the moments where I get to say that. But you, so, you sort of try and hint it, you sort of start walking away, you start yeah. getting out of your chair, it's, you drop the hints and they just don't take it. Yeah, no, I... Or they see the hints, they go, I know you want to leave, but I don't care. I'm ignoring that. I yeah. want someone to talk to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm on your foot and I'm not letting go. Yes. <laughs> So the curator starts showing Lisa all the things that once belonged to Jebediah, the fife, uh, the axe, that, and, everything, and the chamber pot. Everything sort of got... Uh, the fife in which he played the notes of freedom, yeah. and the axe in which he smashed the chains of oppression. Yes. And his chamber pot. Yes, and his chamber pot. <laughs> but even that sort of held in high regard. It's like they didn't have a reason. Just but anything like, that belonged yeah, to Yeah, just anything yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. Lisa then... And it's kind of sneaky from Lisa here. You wouldn't expect it from Lisa when he leaves to get his microwave Johnny Cakes. She takes shit out and starts putting it on. I wouldn't put on a, get a dead guy's hat like that. Well, like mean, it's, if he'd only it's, worn it while he was alive. I don't care about the, the, the creepiness or the germs. I just It's just like, it belonged to him. It's, it's on display. Don't take it out of the case and put it on. What if you ruin it? Do you know who bought clothes from an op shop? I can almost guarantee that you've worn something that belonged to a dead person if you have. Yeah, but it wasn't on display in a museum. What happens if you ruin it? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's true. I would happily jump on and ride Farlap if I could get behind, if I could get past the glass. <laughs> You would too. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me when we were in New Zealand, they had this giant kayak thing. It was, it was, it was over 100 years old or something. This huge kayak. Mm. This old guy gets up on a display and gets in it. And Jesus. his wife's going, Graham, get out. Graham, get out of it. And he's like, there's no one around. Hundreds around. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> take a photo. Bart, a- get out of the spirit of St. Louis. Shirley, take a photo. Shirley, just shut up and take a photo. Anyway, <laughs> it just reminded me of that. So, Lisa then tries the fife, and this is where it all unravels, isn't it? Yes. Um, so, we get the paper. At this point, we don't know that it's part of the painting, but it's just paper that shoots out, basically. And, and watching the episode, I don't think you would ever be smart enough to put two and two together. No. No, you wouldn't. Is this an actual painting, by the way, where the bottom of it's missing? I think it is, of George Washington. Okay. I reckon that they have tied that in with something true. And if I'm not mistaken, I'd be very, very surprised if it wasn't also a part of the plot of National Treasure. See, I've never seen that. That's a welcome Worth response. watching? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at me like a bit disgusted there. No, no. I, I probably had the disgust in my head because I was thinking of Nicolas Cage's performance in it. <laughs> Although, well, I say that, I still... Uh, there's an unfinished picture of George Washington. Gotcha. That might be it. There's still a fair amount of deliciousness. Even bad Nicolas Cage is worth watching. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I've heard that he's releasing a lot of really low-budget films at the, at the oh, moment. has been for the last decade. Because he's just got no money left. Yeah. He, he's had no money for a long time. This is not news. Um, he just he buys outlandish shit, apparently. Yeah, he, bought, he like bought sixteen million dollars on a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The skeleton. head, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you though? If you had the money, 
as I said, I have nothing else but this skeleton. But that's all that matters. As to I me. said, I would ride Farlap if I could, and yes, I would buy a dinosaur head if I could. <laughs> <laughs> know ye who read this, there is more to my life than history records. Firstly, I did not tame the legendary buffalo. It was already tame. I merely shot it. Secondly, I have not always been known as Jebediah Springfield. Until 1796, I was Hans Sprungfeld, murderous pirate. And the half-wits of this town will never learn the truth. Ha 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 our town hero is a fraud. I write this confession so that my infamy will live on long after my body has succumbed to my infectious diphtheria. Ew. We come back from commercial, and the curator notices that something's not quite right with Lisa. Like, she looks a bit, a bit flustered. Mm. What's wrong? But she doesn't want to tell him. I liked his intro back into the room, but here's Johnny Cakes. Yes. Does she not tell him here in the sense of she doesn't want to ruin it for him or she wants to make sure it's correct? I think she'd want to validate it first. Yeah. yeah. But why would but she raise the issue with him there? Why wouldn't she? Yeah, why would she raise... He's the curator of this museum. Why wouldn't she show him and raise the... Well, is it maybe there's she also she... just an element of fear. Like, let's say you are out at a game of football, you're with a mate, you look over your left shoulder, you see someone, the row forward, who you don't know, who's just got a text message from your mate's wife saying... I'll be over after the football or something along those lines. So you're like, oh my God, mate's wife's having an affair. You're not going to turn to him straight away and say, look at that message. You're probably going to take a moment to process. Yeah, you would. Just the gravity of it. Like you can't possibly comprehend and and deliver a coherent sentence straight away. How do I ruin this person's life? Yeah. Swiftly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like a band-aid. And we get the arthritis line that was improvised, which I did not know about. We cut back to the Simpsons house. I've always loved how Homer's in character at all times now. The oldie toast. Oh, I don't understand thee, Marge. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, what's for breakfast? Toast. I don't understand thee, Marge. The old toast. <laughs> oh, I sh- it shouldn't be surprised that Homer could do this because of how well he spoke to the maiden of the spit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always just loved that. Ooh. <laughs> what she says, yell toast. Just the sheer glee of Homer. He's just so happy. He's found his calling in life, essentially. <laughs> if only this was a high paying job. Lisa points out to. Or paying job at all. Yes, yes. Lisa points out the Jebediah's uh, fraud to Homer. And she explains the whole tongue story. Mm-hmm. He tried to kill Washington and all that kind of jazz. Jebediah was really a vicious pirate named Hans Sprungfeld. His tongue was bitten off by a Turk in a grog house fight. No tongue, eh? How did he talk and eat and laugh and love? He had a prosthetic tongue made out of silver. Yes, that'd do. He was one of the evilest men of the 1780s. He even tried to kill George Washington. The dastard! Give me all your money. Never! white stars you wanted, but I couldn't find any red hearts, yellow moons, or green clovers. Well, I'll use it, but I'm not paying for it. It was a great fight sequence. It was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reflection in the tongue? Yeah. Uh, I li- and I liked, like, after the fight, 
you get the um the flag. I got some stars and stripes, but I couldn't get like clovers and whatever else it was. Oh, it'll do, but I'm not paying for it. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a really. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that joke actually offended people in America, where like the flag is held in such high yeah, regard. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, if, if the flag hits the ground, you get in big trouble, isn't it? Uh. Well, there, certainly there, was, there, was, there was a wrestling event where Chris Jericho grabbed the American flag because he's Canadian mm. and he, uh, he like threw it on the ground, stomped on it or something, and that was you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it. I, I mean, I think it's allowed to touch the ground. Just doesn't doesn't the flag don't tread be, on me. Doesn't the flag have to be destroyed if it touches the ground? Though I thought there was some rule something about touching the ground. Could be wrong, but the ground is lava for flags. Yes. <laughs> they even plant the seed of uh, the glass bottle ripping the painting. Yeah, don't throw it in your face. It's just it's just another hint. Yep. Marge, though, she gets very, very angry. Mm. She's very passionate about Springfield. It's sort of the you know, limit of Troy. It's part of us all. Yeah, it's part, part of us all, part yeah. of us all. She gets really, really passionate about it. But for once, Homer's the one that's supportive and he really believes in Lisa and he wants to, what does he say, get on the front foot, something along Ground those floor. lines? Ground floor, yeah, and support it. It's a really great moment because Lisa's not expecting it. No. Normally, it's Marge is the one that would be yeah. supporting her. Miss Hoover here. It's women like you that keep the rest of us from landing a husband. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great anti-feminism <laughs> Yes. <life>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she gives Lisa the F for super fraud. That's what her essay was called. Lisa races home. She's incredibly upset. Miss Hoover thought I made the whole thing up. She called me a PC thug. Well, I've been called a greasy thug too. And it never stops hurting. So here's what we're going to do. Grease ourselves up real good and trash that place with a baseball bat. That won't help, Dad. No one's ever going to believe me. But you have proof. We could go get that confession out of Jebediah's Fife. We could? Come on, we can use the baseball bat to smash open the case. No baseball bat. No. So this is Homer, similar from last week, where Homer was trying to comfort Bart. He's now comforting Lisa, but he actually does a good job of comforting her. He's actually the one that comes up with the idea of everything, of digging Mm. the body up and all that kind of thing, going to the uh, historical society, all that kind of stuff. So they go to the historical society, but the thing is, he wants to destroy it with a baseball bat. Yes, everything's a baseball bat. But it's even the... Grease ourselves up good, yeah. and then go there. Cause, yeah, like the because he's a greasy thug. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very funny thing. Tom Cryer, I'd like to ask you a few questions. One, where's the fife? And two, give me the fife. Hey, stop! I've got nothing but respect for the office of Town Crier, but this is well outside your jurisdiction. Oh yeah? Well, put this in your fife and smoke it. <gasps> Actually, I like the way he introduces himself. Homer Simpson, Town Crier. Yeah, <laughs> As, and even the fact that Hollis is like. I, as, you know, look, I have respect for the office of the town crier, but you're out of your... <laughs> like, it's, it's a legit thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's FBI versus NSA or something. It's like, this is not your jurisdiction. He doesn't get a pig and a... What's the... It's something lasses? Two comely lasses. Comely lasses, yeah, yeah. The guy, the curator just pretty much is claiming it's all conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. You're all wrong. You're completely wrong. Just yep. like the other conspiracy theories, Hitler's letter. Hitler, uh, yeah, um, the Howard Hughes will, Hitler, div- uh, the Hitler diaries and the emancipation rejection. Yes. <laughs> And then kicks them out. But it explains why there's no record of Jebediah before 1795. He was Hans Sprungfeld until then. That's preposterous. Now, get out. You're banned from this historical society. You and your children and your children's children. For three months. Uh, the townspeople are all just getting really into the spirit, setting up the parade and all everything that goes into the, mm-hmm. the centenary. Lisa is getting pamphlets printed. We get the wise guy. This little comic book guy scene here, it's really random, but it's funny. Funny oh, because of screen- what Homer's response to it. Is your name Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg? Well, then keep your eyes off my screenplay. Yes. <laughs> but it's just Homer's, not herself, steal his idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try- she tries to put a pamphlet up at the Quickie Mart. 
And he can understand why Apu would not want this in his window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as he says, as a semi-illegal immigrant, yeah. you can't be bringing that sort of heat. Yeah. When she races back out to the car and disappointed, I love the touch of Apu going straight to the window to try and wash off all the residue. Yeah. Before yeah. going up. Yeah. Then they go to Moe's. How great yeah. are the facial expressions? Yeah. Hear ye, hear ye! My daughter has something to tell you about Jebediah Springfield! Oh, that little cutie wants to do something cute. Oh. Shut up, you bum! Shut up! Go ahead, Angel. Jebediah Springfield was nothing more than an evil, bloodthirsty pirate who hated this town. Good God! Homer, you know, I support uh, most any prejudice you can name. But your hero phobia sickens me. You and your daughter ain't welcome here no more. Barney, show me exit. There's an exit? Evil, bloodthirsty pirate. Hello, town jubilation committee? Yeah, I got something that's going to make you a lot less jubilant. So Lisa goes to the... Or the, the I guess the community's called them to them. I said, you must come in now. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're yeah, not happy I feel what, like they were actually brought in yeah. like they were prisoners. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. And the sponsors aren't happy, are they? No. That's a pirate. That's not the sort of image we want for Long John Silvers. <laughs> they decide to dig up the tongue. It's the only way you can possibly resolve this. Yep. I said my favorite moment. Homer's just response, yep. storming out, just amazing. Nice visual change as they uh, pan up, show the sort of um, crest, the seal of Jebediah Springfield, transitioning into the moon to yes, get from there it was. to the cemetery. Dig him up! Dig up that corpse! If you really love Jebediah Springfield, you'll haul his bones out of the ground to prove my daughter wrong. Dig up his grave. Pull out his tongue. Can't we have one meeting that doesn't end with us digging up a corpse? So then we're at the uh, at the cemetery, digging up the grave. It looks amazing. I don't think the animation looks brilliant here. Yeah, and the does. sound. It's very cool. I know what it is, but why is going to a cemetery at night creepy? It shouldn't be. Night when you really living, think about it, it shouldn't be. Night of the Living Dead. Still. Like, I mean, if you went to a cemetery at night, would you be a little bit sort of, a um, little bit heebie-jeebies? I have been to a cemetery at night, and when I was younger, yeah, as an adult, not so much. But there's still, I don't think it's necessarily that it's a cemetery. I think being anywhere at night can give you the heebie-jeebies. Like, have yeah. you ever stood on a beach in pure darkness? Yes. Terrifying. Uh, at schoolies, I did it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's even really... more terrifying when you're drunk. Yeah, it's really scary to be out there... Even just, even I reckon if you were just in a paddock, like anywhere, if you've got no light source and you're just in the open, it's a little bit frightening. When you can hear the water but not quite see it? Yep. And particularly the beach because that water is going to cover the sound of footsteps of crazy backpacker murderers. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So what happens when they dig up the grave, Mitch? Uh, there's a whole lot of nothing. Whole lot of nothing. But yep. they don't quite reveal that till after the commercial break. It yeah. was a nice cut to commercial. Yeah. But we come back and the facial expressions. Wiggum here. Amazing. Wiggum's again. great. I love the, you know, no, he goes from no disrespect to bonesy. <laughs> but but if the, it's been replaced with a skeleton. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's similar to last week when Krusty of the Wreckage. There's yep. nothing to see. Oh, my God. Come yep. on, Eva. Come on, check it out. Check it out. But this was the clip I remember when this was an all new episode. Of him with his skull, yep. going, trying to get me some eyeballs. I remember that being on the commercial, going, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wiggum suddenly decided to just start a little one-man show doing Hamlet. Yeah, <laughs> I love here Quimby's facial expression of just sheer glee when he's singing the song. So Homer and the curator, I think it's the curator, or someone's standing mm. next to Homer, and Quimby just comes in and embraces them, and he's just got a. Yeah. He's just loving the sing-along. <laughs> it's so good. If you don't remember it, make sure you go back and check it out. Lisa can't believe it, though. She's, she was adamant she was correct. Mm. How could it be wrong? She found the confession from Jebediah. Yeah. 
It's yeah, not, and all of the evidence lined up and pointed yeah, to it. And Homer tries to go, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, but it's too late. He gets stripped of his duties. You will have the hat cleaned and then return it. <laughs> One thing that I noticed here, they didn't really have the right to demand that hat back. It's Flanders' hat. That is true. Small thing, but, but just felt like it was worth noting. Yes. <laughs> Homer is just gutted as well. So Lisa's devastated because she was wrong. And Homer's devastated because... I was going to say the one thing he was good at, but not really. He's been good at a few things. Yeah, but, no, but the thing that he was, he was really, really enjoying. enjoying, and he knew he was really good at, it's been taken away from him. But it, like I said at the start, I love how he's trying to hide his sadness, but yeah. then it gets the better of him and he's, he can't. You know, and Lisa noticed it. And now she feels guilty yeah. because you ruined it for Homer as well. Yeah. You know? Why did you dig up the bones of the past? Why did you disturb the ghosts of history? I, I... General Washington? You did some good work exposing Jebediah, Lisa. Don't stop now. There's just one piece left in the puzzle. But I've caused so much trouble already, General Washington. I can't go on. We had quitters in the Revolution, too. We called them Kentuckians. Well, I'll just have to find another little girl to be president. What's your friend Janie's number? No, not Janie. She'll pack the Supreme Court with boys. Oh, let me help you, George Washington. I still want to help. I want to help you, George Washington. Even your dreams are square. I, I really like this dream. I like that Washington comes in as like, Yo, no, bait and switch. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got, uh, I guess some other little girl can be president, perhaps Cheney. No, she'll fill the Supreme Court with boys. Yes. How great is the, the acting from Yardley in this, yeah, by the way? It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a very, it's just a very believable eight-year-old response. Wakes up and Bart. You, I want to help you, George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> have Ash ever had a dream and spoken out and you've gone, what the fuck are you dreaming about? Uh, or has that happened to you? Where someone's gone, well, you're talking in your sleep. Apparently once I said, let's kill people in my sleep. Really? Yeah. I mean, I was sleeping, so I had no recollection of it. Apparently once I said, not the muffins. <laughs> I don't know what I was about. Bring back Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> Ash sometimes laughs in her sleep. Yeah? Um, Do you tickle it? No, no, no. Like, she'll just be purely asleep. I might be, I don't know, say I'm watching a movie or playing a PlayStation, but with headphones on. So there's no way that she's getting input. She has a hearty laugh as well. And then I hear this <laughs> sort of like just sleep laugh. Yeah. But yeah, a small laugh will come out. And you're creeped out or you go, ah, oh, that's nice. It's, it's nice. I mean, you know, she's enjoying herself. She's happy asleep. But I mean, do you ever go, what, is, what, presumably is, she, what not is she laughing at? Why is, what is she dreaming about? At least, well, look, I'm just, at least it's not a nightmare. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I had a genuine nightmare. Can you? Oh, funny you should ask. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much detail I can go into because it was proper fucked up. Two nights ago, I had the most vivid dream imaginable that a prominent ex-Australian cricketer died during a charity cricket game where I was captaining. Wow. And but how did they die? Uh, they fell off a cliff. What were which, they doing on a cliff? So, charity cricket game. It was a backyard scenario. And I had him keeping up to the stumps to Glenn McGrath. He wasn't actually a keeper, though, so that's not a giveaway. And anyway, the ball got past him. He went chasing because it was per- like someone's house, but perched on a cliffside. And I mean, dreams, landscapes in dreams aren't beholden to reality. It's like mountains appearing and planes crashing. Yeah, Simpsons. so as the ball's running over, he makes a lunge. This guy was known for being a great fielder. He dives, grabs not only that ball, but he comes up with like five more balls. Everyone's enraptured. Commentators are thrilled. Then, as he's about to get up, because his hands are full, he slips, stumbles, he catches himself, you think he's going to be okay, and then he's not, and then he falls. And part of what made this feel vivid, you know, again, in a dream, like, your perspectives can change. 
but it all feels very natural at the time. I went from being the captain to looking at the broadcast, and as he fell down, there was this long shot of silence, and the Channel 9 logo was in the bottom right-hand corner. So, again, went to my brain when I wake up, it feels really real. And then I envisioned, like, down low when he actually hit. They showed him hitting? In the dream, yeah. And because it was live, it was live to where they didn't cut away, it all happened too quick. And I can visualize this as if it was real. And now, in hindsight, the comedy aspect of it is that it didn't came have a back yike to sign, did he? the commentators as he's going down. You even heard, uh, similar to Kent Brockman, like it's evasion. You heard them go, "Oh my god, is this going live to where?" Like so again, like it all felt so real. But then it came back, and this might have been inspired by Danny Frawley having to break bad news the other day. The commentators there, James Brayshaw, was one of them in the dream, and all he could come up with, as somberly as he could, was his dead set burst open, which. Would be a really funny thing to hear someone yes. <laughs> say. But anyway, um, yeah. I won't, sorry for bringing up bad memories. It's it's so fresh. If you had have asked me at 8 o'clock the following morning, was X cricketer dead? I'm like, yeah, I saw it and it was fucking horrible. Like, it took me a long time to piece together the fact that I was actually dreaming. You should I, meet this person and go, I've seen how you die. Oh, Would you like to know? That'd be messed up. Yeah, I'll try to. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet them. <laughs> so, where were we up to? Lisa uh, said the dream. She said the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lisa's then at school. Miss Hoover's handing out the milk. And Ralph calls her mummy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. She has a daydream at school and she sees the ripped photo mm-hmm. and she pieces, puts the pieces of the puzzle together and it's, she solves it. So she storms out of class. Notice Miss Hoover doesn't try to stop her. Yeah, she really doesn't care too she, much. She doesn't at all. She races to the historical society. I like the dusting here. Yes. Shoves the shoves dust under, under the yep, yep, yep. Like anyone cares. Yeah. And she gets the confession out of him yep. that he hid the tongue. The tongue actually exists. And he kept it as a prop, yep. which is ridiculous. But it's it's also... It's a great image. I guess that way he can keep an eye on it. Yeah, I suppose. Knows where it is at all times. Yeah. It's also that thing like you get home. What am I going to do? With, oh, I can't put it in my top drawer. What if someone looks at my top drawer? Oh, I can't put it under the bed. What if someone comes over and, and they drop something and it rolls under the bed and they put their hand under there, run through all the logical ex- ideas, I'll dress it up and put it in an exhibit. Like when you stole the chewing gum? Didn't you steal chewing gum and you had to bury it? Bury it in a park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the joke could also be here that I put it where I didn't think anyone would find it. No front one's ever going to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. front and centre of a display. Lisa then puts the painting together. I've got here, it's very uh, convenient that the confession was the same size as the picture on the wall. Yeah, fortunate. Yes. But, you know, you <laughs> Life-size replica. You make do with what you have. <laughs> One-to-one scale. Uh, they go there, interrupt the, the parade to tell the truth. The curators come clean and go, All right, we have to, we have to yep. tell everybody because they can't keep believing this. But then Lisa pretty much just comes to her senses and realises the importance of the story. Mm. And not the facts. And it's yeah, a great moment. I love that. And you get Mrs. Gleek. Yeah, Mrs. Gleek, Gleek yeah. with the go on little girl. Uh, I love the moment of the sniper on the roof with Wigan. Would not happen now. Uh, well, there's an email that we'll get to about that for the mailbag. Um, but yeah, that is... What's he say? Let's see what she says first I or something get like that. Yeah. It reminded me of... No, no, let her speak. I'm trying to get fired. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, that was just a very, very funny moment. There's one moment here... It's very, very picky, but Marge is well aware of Lisa's beliefs of Jebediah, right? Mm. So when Lisa gets up on stage at a Jebediah parade and says, I've got something to tell you about Jebediah Springfield, Lisa, uh, Marge is sitting there with a big smile on her face. Shouldn't she have looked concerned? Yeah, probably. Just a slight detail. Yeah. But it was just great that everyone's... Her speech was terrible, but... Everyone's just in so in love with the story yeah. of Jebediah. They applaud her, and it's a really yeah. nice ending. And the homie gets his job Glick, as well. It's silence, and then Glick starts the applause. Yes. 
Because the myth of Jebediah has value too. It's brought out the best in everyone in this town. Regardless of who said it, a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Well, hey, it's Homer. Good to see you, Nathan. Good luck. Hear ye! Hear ye! not the official town crier. Police, do something. Well, I'd like to, ma'am, but he's too damn good. Let him march, boys. Let the man march. Great ending. Yes. To it, give the ending to Wiggum just enjoying that. and But also the fact that Lisa ends up on Homer's shoulders. Yes. It's like they're a real team and they're united at the end of this, yep. which is very nice. Come off the back of the ending and we get the song about Jebediah Springfield, yeah. which at first I thought might have been... I'm not sure if it's a direct parody of anything. I looked up the couple kind of... I was trying to look up the theme music for Bonanza and that sort of thing. Yeah. Or um, uh, was it the other one? Daniel Boone is a man. But it was... Rawhide. <laughs> it's a little bit rawhide the way yeah. this comes out, but I'm not sure if it was original or I'm not what. too sure. Either way, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a great song. Also, I've just read here that the uh, Lisa's decision to hide the truth to preserve the myth of Jebediah was actually a reference to the film The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Really? Yes. That's um, actually. It's been a long, long time since I watched that movie. It's a slow burn western. Yeah, but the song reminds me of my dad because my dad loves The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Yeah, okay. The song, yeah. But anyway, all in all, uh, this episode is definitely worth going out and checking out. It's one of the better Lisa episodes you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I really... Um, I, after having rewatched it for the first time in a long time, I think it's taken pride of place at the top of the Lisa okay. episodes for me. I enjoyed it more than I remember enjoying it, which is always a great thing. Yeah. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, I learned that silver tongues can be surprisingly flexible. I learned something that we haven't mentioned in the review yet, that a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. We didn't actually touch on the fact that Embiggins just made its way into the dictionary. And as did Cromulent. As did Cromulent, yeah. It comes in a couple of times too, like yeah. um, Skinner saying it later in the episode as Which well. Which is just pretty incredible that two words that Bill Oakley got the guys to just make up yeah. is now considered an actual word. Yeah. <laughs> Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Mailbag time. What have we got this week, Mitch? So this comes in from a uh, guy named Marty. This email isn't to be read out. It begins, well, we'll be the judge of that, Marty. It's just a bit of Aussie trivia that you might find interesting. So, um, with Lisa walking away from the stage and the bullet hitting. So, not yes. so much the sniper bit being there. You see it go bang, yeah. But, yeah, the bang. Which, really, um, there was no need to pull the trigger. Why did they fire the trigger? Just for the joke? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Maybe they weren't paying attention. Maybe he slipped. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so that has certainly been edited out on... Uh, on TV in recent seasons. For so good reason, really. Marty didn't realise until um, after buying the DVDs and seeing that they were still in there. Yep. One of the times they edited out something that probably should have been edited out. That's a, that's a thing yeah. of the times. Now, it's it's not really suitable to have a joke like that in a t- TV show that's that they know kids are going to watch. Mm. Not the right kind of gag. But I, 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 Implying they're going to shoot an eight-year-old girl no, and I then know. trying to shoot her? I mean, it's a dark comedy... I still laugh at it. I, mm. I like I say that to people who lost their friends and family. Yeah, I know. I, I know, but I mean, you can say that about anything. Like you have a joke where um, Marge 
crashes her car into a tree. Oh, Homer crashing his car into a tree. But that's an accident as opposed to deliberate yeah, but um, murdering. They're, they're playing a car crash for comedy and my dad died in a car crash, blah, blah, blah. Like anything uh, can be connected to something sad. I guess. I, I'm not saying that they're wrong to take it out, but I'm also not saying that I think it necessarily has to be taken out. Fair enough. But yeah, it, it's an each of their own thing and I, I can understand it being removed, but I also feel like it's one of the bigger laughs that it's going to give me having it in there. Mm-hmm. There's always a place for comedy in dark areas for me. The uh, Simpsons doesn't tap into dark comedy too often. Not very often. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they could a little bit more. Um, but then again, it's never been that show. It doesn't have to be that show. There are South Park does that fine. There are Archer. There are a lot of a lot of shows that go to dark places. So you don't necessarily need to. I think the earlier episodes tapped into darker comedy more often. You always bring yeah. up Homer with the gate when he's going to kill yeah. himself. Yep, yeah, oiling the gate just yeah. to make sure that that was fixed. Shall we get into the mailbag? We shall. That was, I thought we already got into it. Did we? Okay. We, we opened up about two minutes ago. We did. <laughs> Fuck. It's late. It's two episodes back to back. <laughs> and I've been working 14 hour days. It's just finished. <laughs> Continue. Uh, this is from Mark Vanderclay and relevant uh, given A, recent events and B, the conversation that we're just having about cricket and the Channel 9 logo in okay. the bottom right corner. Uh, first time emailer, thinking back to some old podcasts where you were listening to the boy who... Uh, sorry, we will... Um, where we were reviewing The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Yes. Heard us talking about how weird it would be to watch The Simpsons on another channel and compared it to watching The Cricket on another channel. Just Mm -hmm. wanted to know how you feel now that both of those things have moved to other channels within Australia. I can honestly say I don't watch The Simpsons on Fred Air anymore. Yeah, I mean, Fox 8 has made it redundant a bit. Yeah, knowing that it's on Channel 10, not on Channel 10 anymore, that little traditionalist in you kind of goes, oh, that's kind of sad because it's always been on Channel 10, but really it's not going to affect me whatsoever. The cricket, that's going to be a major shift for me because I'm not going to have the same people commentating the game. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a good year or two to get used to, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, unless unless the Channel 9 commentary team move stations. I don't what, care so much about what, the commentary team. Because what else do they do during the year? They don't commentate anything else. It's not like they're doing any other sport on that Some station. Some of them go overseas. Some will commentate other leagues. Like right now, Michael Slater and all that are doing the Indian Premier League. They, they, Which is not on Channel 9. No, it's on Foxtel. They they pick up contracts for other other um tours. Uh, Richie Benno used to spend a lot of time in England. You would think they would just hire these guys and bring them over, wouldn't you? Just to sort no, of keep that, you know, make no, no. There's make no way. Everyone thinks that the Channel Nine commentators are way too stale. I think they will poach the best of Foxtel and the best of Channel Ten. I know that there's a bidding war going on about Shane Warne. You know, Brayshaw is going to be doing it. Y- yeah, some of you. Cha- oh, oh, this y- is very localized, by the way, for international listeners. Yeah. We're sorry about this. Um. Basil Zemplis gets it. I'm not watching cricket on Channel 7 ever. But what'll be great is that Foxtel are broadcasting all of the games and simulcasting a bunch with seven. So, although I suppose Foxtel probably won't have different commentators for the cricket. No, it'll be broadcasting the same one, yeah. What will be massive is the legendary, iconic Channel 9 introduction missing. So, the, the, the cricket will be a big difference. Simpsons, probably not so much because yep. I either watch it on my DVDs or on Foxtel. James Fraser writes in with one meme. And a life-changing fact. Now, oh. you may have seen the meme. Everyone's sending that through. It's it, funny. It's uh, Argentina, Ferro de General Pico. Working Homer on his top. Yeah, have put Homer uh, disappearing into the bush on yes. his playing shirt. The life-changing aspect, though, Dando will get to, is that we've actually managed to hook this guy on AFL. Really? Cool. So, as he says here, um, because you guys are constantly swerving from episodes and chat about cricket, Aussie rules, or a floating penis. Floating penis, that's something you're never, ever going to live down. Yeah, no. That's, um, 
Uh, For good reason, though. Every now and then, my brain goes into areas, and uh, I think I told you. I can't remember if I said it on the episode. Uh, said it on a recording that I left. Couldn't remember a thing that we'd spoken about the following day. But you were worried about something, though. Nagging doubt. I was like, "Geez, I've done something. I said something I shouldn't <laughs> have." And more often than not, that means I've insulted my wife, <laughs> um, which you like, apparently did today. Uh, oh, were you in trouble? Uh, I made a joke about her being attracted to someone more attractive than me. That that was all. Called her a pedophile. I didn't call her a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I said she was disappointed that to find out that he was 16. Anyway. Um, but the point is, yeah, the, the floating penis thing, once I started getting the messages on Facebook, I was like, ah, oh, yeah. Yep, that's going to be with me for a while yep. now. Not um, as much as the toilet, though. Well, at least I actually did the floating penis <laughs> material. I was never <laughs> recording from the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, something you weren't even a part of. The point is... <laughs> He's been uh, listening to the show a lot and has made quite an impression. So he's learning about Aussie rules. He's adopted Geelong as his team. He's adding the uh, Geelong crest to his sports team wall. Good boy. Learning the history and uh, watching as many live games as possible from the UK. He's picked Geelong purely because there was a former Liverpool player called Gary Ablett uh, who we kept confusing him with. So, <laughs> so senior retired in 97, just went to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Decided, <laughs> I've done everything that there is to do in AFL, uh, and I'm off now to try my hand at another ball sport. That's it. Dustin McKenna writes into the mailbag with an email that I enjoyed. Um, ooh, Futurama podcast is the subject. So that's your little plan: get us addicted and then jack up the price. Oh yeah, baby. which I enjoyed. And then he's got imagine wanting to be paid for hours and hours of quality entertainment. Oh, uh, thank you. You too. If you would like to uh, access our future, uh, ongoing Futurama podcast, you can do so by subscribing on Patreon for $5 per month or more. Uh, we're dropping a couple episodes a month, one every two weeks throughout the first season to see how it goes. And then we may continue to season two or we might do another show and then yeah. around, come back. We might just mix it up a little bit. That's it. Also, movie reviews available on Patreon what as well. I, yes. What yeah. I was going to say, you may not have come across it, but if you are wondering what's this Futurama podcast about, we've very generously given you the first one for free. Um, Liz Epley has written in about Brenda, Brendan Fraser's resurrected career. A lot of people keep talking to me about Brendan I'm Fraser. I'm telling you, man. Like, I'm telling you. He's on a comeback trail. He's gonna, it's going to happen. Uh, apparently, he's currently on an American network FX's show called Trust about the Getty family in the 1970s. He plays a Texas lawyer, and he's actually one of the best parts of the show. I'm telling you. They say that with like, and he's actually one of the best parts of the show. Because he's because <laughs> people didn't realise at the time he's good good dude. I re- I reckon he's on the verge of a comeback. He's gonna find that role like Travolta did with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, um, LT writes in. Uh, it, LT not, smash. Fraser is not finding a John Travolta style comeback. I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen. Oh. it's over for Fraser. No, <laughs> Fraser's gone, George. It'll happen. Netflix reboot of Fraser. <laughs> You're talking about an actor from the '60s, man. <laughs> Sorry. It'll happen. That's uh, that's that's about four levels deep of a reference to be making, and it makes no sense in regards to Brandon Fraser. I apologise. Uh, LT, ahoy, Mitch and Dad. No, this is just a nice story. There's no question off the back of it, but I wanted to share it anyway. Okay. Firstly, he'd like to thank us for creating one of the uh, five or so podcasts that he regularly enjoys. You're welcome. Um, but taking up so much of his time that he can't remember what music sounds like. Uh, sounds <laughs> like. It's like that, though. I, I've, I don't listen to music in the car at all. It's all podcast for me. Yeah, now. right. I Talk try back, to mix it up. Talkback radio. Uh, SEN Sports Yes Melbourne's home of sports Yes <laughs> Smooth Marco and the Ox have uh, moved Sorry yeah. Just for the real super local reference Because that's not even going in We've gone state. way too local for this podcast yeah. Anyway uh, 
I recently left my job after three years to move up to Scotland to join my fiance. That's uh, nice. While never, over, sorry, while never overly social at work, there were two people on my team who had Simpsons knowledge on the same encyclopedic level of my own. Uh, we would send constant quotes to each other over the office communicator and crowbar in oblique quotes in office emails under our boss's noses. Mm-hmm. I got them both into four-finger discount. Shout out to Jim Allison and Gavin Mather. Mather? Mather. Mather. Gavin M. And they've told me it's sucking up as much of their time listening as well. Uh, on my last day, I was presented... Uh, sorry, on his last day at work, he was presented with a copy of Homer's Odyssey and Embiggen's Simpsons Guide, as well as some Ooh. sweets, beer, and sriracha sauce. Don't know what the sriracha sauce needed to be mentioned for, but I'm glad you enjoyed yes. it, Lawrence. That book sounds pretty good too. Uh, yeah, that book. Can you buy that book, Dando? Is that available on like a website sure it, or something? I'm pretty sure it just came out in the States. Uh, I think correct? it did. Yes, it did. Seen something about it online. Beginning of April, it is available in the United States of America as well as the UK, Australia, New Zealand. Um, but meant to ask why our names are on the front. Book depository. Uh, oh, I've been completely forgotten about a great story about the book. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let me finish this email and then um, I will share something. Uh, and I'm too tired for a question, so questions can hold over until <laughs> next week. Uh, I... Our mailbag's just gone to the shitter. I reckon we answer what? one. We answer like one question a week now. That's <laughs> oh, because people are just sharing now. A lot of the like, there's only so many times you you can ask. So, what's your favorite Simpsons episode? And I I like this that people are just contributing rather than asking. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so the gift brought a tear to his eye. That's basically the end of it. Hopefully, not a totally boring story, but a nice example of how our podcast has brought people together and created a nice moment. Yes. So, to you three, I wish you all the best and um. Lawrence, good luck with the wedding and good luck with life in Scotland. Yes, congratulations. Now, I never noticed how much of a community we'd actually had built until we started that Facebook group. Yeah. It brings me so much joy going into that group every day. Yeah. Just seeing them all interact. Just the Simpsons has united them all. Mm-hmm. Now, time for your story, Mitch. Yeah. Okay. So, Ash had visited uh, her nan through the week and uh, on the table when she's at the house is like the... You know how um, Sunday Herald... Can, can I interrupt, by the way, guys? So, so, this story got Mitch so excited that he called me up. He's like, I don't know what you're doing right now, but you've got to, t- you've got to hear the yeah, story. Yeah, <laughs> You know the Sunday Herald Sun, and it comes with your insert magazines. I don't know what the hell the magazine's called, but it's like a separate glossy mag within the newspaper. Yes. In that, they've got a double-page spread on a guy, Mark someone or other, rich dude, used to be on the... Uh, he was on the Australian Apprentice or the Australian Celebrity Apprentice or something like that. He was doing Donald Trump's job, basically. Philippoussis? <laughs> no, not Philippoussis. <laughs> this wasn't the one where Philippoussis went on like 20 blind dates with all yeah, the women. How old was. are you again? 35. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, so like the the offshoot apprentice not hosted by Donald Trump. Um, he may have even been on a version in America with Donald Trump. But the point is, we're talking that level of businessmen, super high up. And Ash's makes comments going, oh, you've been doing a bit of reading. And her nan goes, oh, I assume you've already seen this. Very excited. Like, over-the-top excited. She's like, uh, no. She's like, oh, I just thought I thought you would have known about it. Go on, read. Have a read of this. And she starts reading the article and her nan, like, patiently stands there for all of three seconds before going, this paragraph right here. Read, like, skip about halfway through and read this paragraph. And it's where the guy's talking about what books he's been reading. And it's Stephen Fry's Mythos, um, something about some other business book. And the Odyssey by Homer. <laughs> and Ash reads that. She looks at her nan and her nan's got this face like, eh, hey, hey, Mitch's book. <laughs> and Ash has to have that moment of, oh, do I have the heart to do this? And <laughs> has to break it to her. Gone, That's um, it's not like their book is called Homer's Odyssey. 
they were actually joking because it's similar to that other one. And then poor Lizzie has kind of deflated a bit. Oh, but I've been telling everyone in the street he's reading their book. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Book sales through the roof. I love that. I was like, oh, the poor doll. She's such a beautiful, beautiful woman (laughs) that she got so excited and has then made it her mission over the next few days to tell all the neighbours. And I just pictured her going around with the magazine. They all go and buy that that book. Yeah, The Odyssey by Homer. (laughs) Um, It's back in print. It's going ballistic. Oh, that's great. Anyway. Is it Izzy, was it? Liz. Lizzie. Shout Lizzie. out to Lizzie. Yeah, shout out to Liz. Beautiful, beautiful woman that you are. Thank you for supporting, even though it may have been under false pretenses. <laughs> All righty, Mitch, is that going to wrap up this week's episode? That's going to wrap it up. Now, the fact that an entire street of people in East Geelong now think we're being read by a billionaire. Yeah, that's going to do. Uh, now, we're going to remind people. So, each month we give away a prize. Last week, we gave away the uh, April giveaway, which was the six-inch Nibbler vinyl figure yep. from Kid Robot, valued at about $70. Now this Kid month, Robot is Kid Robot the brand. The they're the manufacturer. They're okay. The design yes. Builder, yes. Uh, this month we're going to be giving away another one of the Devil Flanders. Ah, excellent. Which valued um, at one hundred dollars. Yeah, big bucks. Yes, big bucks. Now to get entry- Wait, I'm looking at about seven hundred dollars worth of prizes to my right at the moment that uh, we have got to give away over the next twelve months or so. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's available exclusively for our patrons. Um, we're going to be giving away a major prize. For the $8 patrons mm-hmm. and a lesser prize for the $5 patrons. Yes. Now, for the lesser prize, we're going to be giving away which one of these pop vinyls you, you choose. Uh, Future Armor Base one? Third from the top on the right hand, uh, left hand side. So, this one here? Yes. That is Zap Brannigan. Zap Brannigan! Zap Brannigan pop vinyl is going to be going out to one of our listeners. So, if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com slash four finger discount. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to our review of Lisa the Iconoclast. Mitch, I hope you're enjoying Bali. Any final words for the listeners? Five bucks? No, too much. Shh.